Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For that warm welcome, turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 9. Did you hear about the fellow who uh, got to reading some medical journals? And as he read in these, he began to feel that he had a deadly disease of his own. As he read more and more of these medical journals, he's analyzing himself and he came to the conclusion that uh, he was desperate for medical help. He went to the doctor. The doctor gave him a complete examination and then wrote him out a prescription. And as he looked at that prescription, the prescription said, uh, go eat a big steak. Walk a mile every day and quit reading books that you've got no business reading. (laughs) I've had people that have come to me this week and they've been reading blog sites. I have a prescription for you. Read three chapters of the Bible every day and get the hidden manna to eat. Go out and witness to someone. And quit reading blog sites you've got no business reading. Bring an instant cure. Acts chapter 9. In God's creative genius, he has uh, placed some inherent factors uh, that he intends to be released uh, into the dynamics uh, of ministry and evangelism. He intends these to be triggered. He intends these to be released. He intends to transcend, uh, that is, go beyond the limitations of your own personality, go beyond the size of your church and the factors that are limiting you and causing you to not believe that God can do what he has promised he can do, And here is a tremendous history in one verse I want to read to you in verse uh, 31 of Acts chapter 9. And before I read that, I want to point out to you a quote that you perhaps have heard before. Any fool can count uh, the number of seeds in an apple, but only God knows how many apples are in a seed. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. I want to talk to you tonight about multiplication. 
First of all, I want to point out to you the scriptural declaration of the multiplication of believers. Now, there are endless formulas that are used in the church world to attempt to cause people to be drawn and born into the kingdom of God. We have attractional churches, they're called today. These are people who feel that if you put on a large event and you constantly are doing that, drawing people to some large event, that out of that you're going to be able to build believers and be able to build a church. They're event-centered. And these people generally have hired workers. Believe it or not, they're people who hire professional musicians to come in. And they are presenting a concert or they're presenting a superior musical ability and the reason they do that, they hire these people. I can't even be it's beyond my belief, but they hire these people to come in and do an event for them. Some of them not even living for God or aren't Christians, but they present a feel-good service or a feel-good atmosphere that people enjoy. They're entertained, and they feel good about this. We have the seeker-sensitive churches. These are churches that their approach is that you don't... Come right up front about what you're doing, but you are seeker-sensitive. Don't say anything that may bring people uh, any kind of offense, uh, but kind of sneak Jesus in after a while, uh, a soft sell. That's the seeker-sensitive churches. Then we have the missional churches, their call. These are people that want to go out into the neighborhoods, do some kind of project, uh, clean up some vacant lot or paint uh, some uh, uh, broken down Catholic church or do something uh, that's going to bring some attention. And people will say, these are wonderful people uh, and they've won our favor, so we're going to listen to what it is uh, that they have to say. But here in the Bible, we have a very clear message uh, And it's very clear that there are multipliers that God intends to kick in. And one of these is Acts chapter 5, verse 14. And believers were increasingly added to the church, multitudes, both of men and of women. Now, there are two factors that we need to consider. One of these is simply that people will go out and witness uh, and present the gospel to unbelievers and convert them uh, through the message of the gospel that the Holy Spirit can use, uh, using biblical uh, 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 scriptures, uh, bring the gospel of God's salvation, uh, and the Holy Spirit can use that uh, to convert souls. And the second uh, is a tremendous dynamic that God kicks in uh, Through that, it's called the miracle or the phenomena of synergism. Synergism is a phenomena. And that phenomena is that the sum total of the factors, the sum total of the results that can be gained and the working of two elements together in tangent is greater than the adding of the two together. It is a phenomena that God has placed in creation, and that kicks in. In Leviticus 26, in verse 8, says, Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. So here is a, a, a voicing from the Bible of the multipliers that God is willing to kick in 
when these two factors are put into practice, uh, and there is no shortcuts to this, we're talking about a personal testimony uh, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, witnessing one-to-one on evangelism, uh, and this is the multiplier kicked in uh, by that principle. Acts chapter 11, verse 19 says, Now those uh, who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only, but some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who when they had come to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, this is the Greeks preaching the Lord Jesus, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. So here we are, we have a geometric progression that is kicked in when God's people will begin to witness and evangelize, and then God then begins to get involved and kicks in the multipliers of the multitudes of people, and Paul is on record that he believes that this principle ought to be practiced in Acts 20, verses 20 and 21, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, uh, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ, how I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly uh, and uh, from house to house. So here we have it in the scripture. In any setting, um, wherever people could be found, whether in their houses, where in the streets, whether it's house to house, uh, wherever there were people uh, that there was a testimony given, a witness given, uh, and that witness uh, brought forth fruit uh, because the gospel by nature has a seed element into it uh, that we need to understand. Acts chapter 12, verse 24. But the word of God grew and multiplied. What does that mean? The word of God grew and multiplied. What it means is that there were people that were being saved, and as that happened then, the multipliers begin to kick in because in the very nature of the gospel is a seed factor, and that seed factor is a multiplying factor. If people are not being saved, then something's wrong. Can you say amen? If people are not being brought to conversion in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what kind of activity we're involved in. It doesn't matter what kind of do-good we may have and all of these things that I've named may have some redeeming factor in them. But if people are not being saved, something's wrong because the gospel has in it the very nature of seed and the multiplying of believers depends upon people like you and I witnessing, uh, going outside the four walls of the building uh, and testifying uh, of Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you about the multiplication of disciples. Now, here is a great contradiction uh, in life. There's a man named Dallas Willard. He uh, wrote one of the most profound statements that you'll ever read, and I want to share it with you if you'll bear with me for a moment. He's talking about believers. Believers is used twice, uh, But he points out that in the word disciple is used 269 times in the New Testament. The word Christian is found only three times. And the first time it introduces the disciples, Acts 11, 26. And he goes on to say the New Testament is a book about disciples, by disciples, and for disciples of Jesus Christ. And here comes the clincher paragraph from this man. 
for at least several decades. The churches of the Western world have not made discipleship a condition of being a Christian. One is not required to be or to intend to be a disciple in order to become a Christian. And one may remain a Christian without any signs of progress toward or in discipleship. Contemporary American churches in particular do not require following Christ in his example, spirit, and teachings uh, as a condition of membership. Uh, discipleship uh, clearly is uh, optional. Now, this is a frightening observation. And as you're sitting here this evening, I want you to ask yourself this question. Uh, am I a disciple uh, of Jesus Christ? As I bring a personal examination to my own heart and life, uh, am I simply a person who attends church services uh, and I get a feel good of that or I get an, an uplifting message from it? Uh, or are you a person that God could say, this is a disciple uh, of Jesus Christ uh, and here's the challenge. The Bible says the number of disciples uh, multiplied. Acts chapter 6 and verse 1. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying. So here we have then the clear pattern of scripture. Not only are believers going to be multiplied, but now we've moved into a dimension that we must be honest about and come to grips with disciples being multiplied. And we have to ask ourselves the question, am I a disciple of Jesus Christ? And how are we going to define that? First of all, we need to define it because a disciple is a learner. This is one who has given themselves to learn what it is that God's revealing in this book because this is his self-revelation to humanity. In the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. What does that mean? That means that the apostles were constantly uh, disseminating uh, the truth of God. Uh, and these people were learners. They wanted to know what it was that God had said uh, and what it was that they should do. Uh, and then 2 Timothy 2.15 says, uh, Be diligent to present yourself uh, a approved of God, uh, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, uh, rightly dividing uh, the word uh, of truth. Now, this is going to require some kind of discipline. This is going to require that you're going to give yourself uh, to the book that I hold in my hand uh, so that you can be a learner, uh, and that should follow on uh, to make you a follower. Not only should you be a learner, but you ought to be a follower. In the book of 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 6, the apostle says, And you became followers of us and of the Lord having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. In the book of John, chapter 8 and verse 31, the Lord Jesus Christ said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, then you are disciples indeed. Now, this is not just something that you're going to do once in a while. This is a lifelong call that you're going to be a learner and learning what God requires. You're going to become a follower. And in the book of Acts chapter 21 and verse 16, 15 and 16, after those days, we packed and went up to Jerusalem. Listen, 
Also, some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us and brought with them a certain Manasseh of Cyprus, an early disciple, King James says, an old disciple with whom we were to lodge. Now think about what this is saying. He's making a point. The Holy Spirit reaches into this little scenario of their travels and said, there was a man that went with us, and this man's name was Manasseh, He was an early disciple, or in other words, he had continued on through the years and it underlined he was a disciple and he still is a disciple. It's very easy sometimes to embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ in your early years or in your new convert experience. And as you embraced this as a believer and became a disciple of Jesus Christ, In the process of time, you lose that dimension. And yes, you're not backslidden. No, you're not out in the bars drinking. No, you're not chasing sluts. But you've lost that wonderful dimension of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. When you were a new convert, yeah, you were thrilled. I, I, uh, when we, when we uh, were in the Jesus movement, we sometimes had revivals that are three weeks long. And we'd take two weeks break and then three weeks more. And if we didn't have anything going, uh, uh, the, the disciple would say, what's on uh, this week? Well, we don't have anything planned. And they would do their own planning, uh, meet together in prayer meeting, meet together in outreaches. Uh, and they churned that up because they wanted to be involved to do something for God. I discovered a horrible phenomenon in Australia that you have three-day revivals. That's all you can take. Amen. Poor evangelists. Poor evangelist, amen, three, four days. uh, And, uh, you know, if you're going to have a revival, it costs the same to have a long revival as a short revival. Same amount of money, same amount of advertising. And uh, if you're going to have a revival, make it a revival that's worthwhile. You ought to be having the same dynamics working in your soul and in your heart uh, that was when you were a new convert uh, that you wanted to learn what it was that God was revealing uh, and you wanted to obey that uh, and be involved. You see, disciples not only are called to be disciples, they're called to be disciple makers. In the book of Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, and the things that you've heard and from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now here we have a picture in the Bible. That picture is that disciples were multiplied, and the picture of them being multiplied means that they accepted the premise of being a disciple. Not only did they accept the premise of being a disciple, which is a learner and which is an obeyer, but they committed themselves to that process. And this is the secret tonight of multiplication is that disciples are multiplied by embracing these principles. Here in the scripture, we have that very plainly. This is the purpose of home Bible study. Home Bible studies are not for the purpose of simply exercising somebody's ego. It is to involve the disciples in the Word of God so that they can learn and deepen their knowledge and learn people's skills to be able to touch others for Jesus Christ. And this is the purpose for Bible study. 
This is the reason that we have concert ministries. This is the reason that we have outreach in the plazas and in the parks. This is the reason that we do all these things is so that the disciples can be multiplied, matured, seasoned, and sent out into the harvest field. We have a venue uh, that uh, we've just uh, achieved this last year in, in Prescott is uh, called 180. It's a concert scene. And in that venue, there's no less than 40 young people uh, that are involved actively. They either are a music group, they're a drama group, they're a part of the uh, video projection, they're in behind the scenes setting up. They have 40 young people uh, that are involved uh, explicitly in ministry in that uh, to be able to print the go- present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and by that uh, principle, uh, these uh, people, most of them young people, are being developed as disciples uh, of Jesus Christ. Uh, this is the secret to multiplication. Thirdly, I want to point out to you the multiplication of churches. This is contrary to the trend in the church world today. The trend in the church world today is mega churches. This is the aim, this is the focus, as you have a charismatic leader. That charismatic leader draws people who want to hear this leader speak. And as the crowds grow, they want to develop multiple services. And then they want to develop satellite video churches. And when they no longer can house that, they want to build larger buildings. And their focus is not on the planting of churches. It's on drawing as many people as they can into a venue and when that is finished uh, into a video site uh, and have multiple sites uh, maybe not even on the same place uh, uh, in another city uh, and people coming in a video site uh, and that's the church that they have I can't even fathom people coming together watching a video on a screen as a steady uh, as a steady diet uh, and having no relationship uh, personally or locally or intimately with a man that you can find out who he is and what he's doing. You know, you ought to find out what your pastor's doing. Amen. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? He ought to be visible. He ought to be, he ought to be accessible. He ought to be somebody that you could call in the middle of the night and he'd come and pray for you in a desperate need. He ought to be somebody that you could uh, have time to sit down with him uh, and tell him your marriage problems uh, and be able to sort that out. Can you say amen? He ought to be somebody uh, that you know you're observing, uh, you're watching the lifestyle that he lives and you know who he is. I was in Israel uh, three or four years ago. We're up in Caesarea uh, uh, or, or Tiberias rather. And we were there at the same time with Benny Hens. Uh, I think he had 21 busloads. I can't remember. He, hundreds of people were there. And, uh, and uh, we're talking with these, some of these people. Uh, and uh, we're curious about, uh, about this. And so uh, one uh, lady preacher that we're talking to, uh, we uh, said to her, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, where do you go to church? She said, I'm the pastor of the church. Oh, I see. So, uh, so uh, who is your pastor? And uh, she had Benny Hinn's my pastor. And, uh, and talking to her, said, have you ever uh, uh, sit down and talk with him personally? No, no, no. Never talked to him personally. Well, how can he be your pastor if you've never talked to him personally? This is the church world that we live in. But I want to tell you that in the scripture, we have a very clear uh, pattern. 
And that pattern is uh, that there are churches that are planted, uh, and uh, in these mega churches are anonymous Christians. No one knows who they are, where they come from, whose uh, wife they're living with, uh, or what they're doing in their private life. They slip in uh, and they slip out uh, and never have to be making a connection. Uh, and that, my friend, uh, is not the Bible pattern. The Bible is very clear. Listen to these words, uh, because what we're reading about is reproduced uh, congregations uh, of believers. In the book of Acts chapter 9, verse 31, then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace uh, and were edified uh, and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Again, in Acts chapter 6 and verse 7, then the word of, of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests uh, were obedient to the faith uh, and Paul refers to this in the book of Thessalonica and he uh, uh, talks about a pattern congregation in the book of First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14. But you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God which also are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen just as they did from the Judean. So here we have a principle, and that principle is not only is there a church planted, but out of that church that is planted, disciples are formed. Not only are disciples formed, but they're sent in now to other cities and other nations and other congregations are built, uh, and this is the Bible pattern for the multiplication uh, of churches. Now, this is going to cost you. There's a price to pay uh, for this. This means that you're going to have to sacrifice valuable and talented workers that are in your congregation, uh, workers that you don't really, uh, in your heart of hearts, uh, are really excited about releasing uh, because they add to your congregation. They add to your ministry. They add to the atmosphere of your church. And quite often, the best workers in your congregation and the best families in your congregation are the ones that are going to vie and are going to begin to press and say, I want you to send me out. You see, when you begin to stir a congregation with a vision for the world, there's a dynamic that begins to happen. And that dynamic has consequences. When you begin to bring them to conferences like this, very dangerous because you may not go with, back with them the same. Because they're going to see a vision beyond your uh, a little uh, group of people or, or uh, what you're doing. They're going to catch a vision of the world uh, and they're going to begin to press you. As I said earlier this week, uh, don't give your pastor any peace. Uh, you keep after him every day and say, Pastor, I want to go plant a church. I want to go be sent out and give him no peace. Uh, and uh, that's what happens and ought to happen in Bible conferences. Otherwise, we just gather together. We're saying nice things to each other and saying, you, you just, you, what a wonderful guy you are. Man, I just love you. More. Oh, brother, I just love you. That's not what conferences are about. 
You ought to love your brother. You ought to heal up any breach you had. But conferences are about exposing your people to the gospel of Christ in a conference setting where the excitement of world evangelism is going to grab hold of them. And now they can no longer be the same. They're either going to be stirred to be the best disciple they can be in your church or they're going to say to you, Pastor, I'm not satisfied any longer to stay here. I want you to send me out. And he keeps after you and keeps after you. And these couple, this may be the best couples you have. Sorry. (laughs) That's what our objective is. This is how churches are multiplied. There's going to be a financial obligation. See, the gospel's free, but world evangelism costs a lot of money. In Prescott, Arizona, God gave us a wonderful revival. God's still saving people every week. Gave us a great revival. We began to plant churches, and uh, it was five years before we really could understand what it was God was doing. And uh, we began to see that what we're involved in is going to cost a lot of money. I began to pray some years ago. This is a little city of 13,500 people of mostly rednecks. Rednecks means we do, anybody of another skin color, they're less than this. Uh, uh, they used to catch hippies on the courthouse plaza that had long hair and with a pocket knife cut their hair off because they were different. 13,500 people. And I began to realize we're going to have to have some money if this is going to continue. I began to pray, God bless this city. Bring in industry, bring in business into this city. Lord, help us grow so that we can have the resources because historically young people would grow up, graduate from high school or college, and leave to some place where they could pay them a different salary, a decent salary, I mean. And this was the history of the city. I began to pray, God, uh, help us, give us industry, give us uh, businesses, give us, uh, and it, a phenomenal thing has happened. Uh, uh, God has gloriously blessed uh, our area with business. Uh, uh, the city's been, I think, three times uh, in the top 10 places in the United States to live. Every time one of those articles come in, they start flooding in. Uh, we have uh, contractors that build houses. Uh, we have workers. Uh, we have uh, little industry that's come in. Uh, Prescott, Arizona today is probably 45,000 people in the proper city limits. Uh, Prescott Valley is about 35,000, which is just right next to it. Chino Valley is about 22,000 uh, people. And there's nearly 100,000 people uh, within a few minutes drive of our church building uh, and it's a throbbing thriving community. I believe with all my heart that God heard our cry because I challenged our congregation to pray uh, and he began to prosper that city uh, so that we would have the resources uh, to be able to plant churches. Here in this congregation is a congregation. There are several congregations that are represented here tonight that were sent from Prescott, Arizona to plant churches in Australia. This is going to cost you money to multiply churches. You cannot escape that. It's going to cost you the best people that you have. It's going to cost you a focus. And we're not talking about a waving a banner as a token of participation. We're talking about a potential to reach the world in which we live from a small city. God can reach around the world. And the potential here is staggering.
Listen to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 14. Brother Ruby preached earlier this week on blessing. If you didn't hear the sermon, you need to get it. Listen to these words, Hebrews 6, 14, quoting from God's promise to Abraham, who is the father of the faith. Surely blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. Think about that for a moment. Because here we have uh, in the gospel of Christ, in God's self-revelation of redemption, uh, a multiplying factor. And that multiplying factor is in the blessing of God uh, that comes upon uh, the precious seed who is Jesus Christ the Lord uh, and the gospel uh, that God has brought into being uh, from that. This is an interesting story as I conclude. This story begins in 1792 in the United States of America. There was a man, and this man began to observe that in the cider mills in America, that a waste product was produced that they threw away, they had no use for, and this was the seeds out of apples. He began to go to these cider mills and say to them, would you give me those apple seeds? And he began to travel throughout uh, some states. uh, And as he traveled through Ohio, he traveled through Illinois, he traveled through Indiana, he began to plant these seeds. uh, And apples began to grow. Orchards were started. Some of these orchards and the descendants of the still exist today. Uh, Can you imagine now, as I said, uh, any fool can count the number of seeds in an apple but only God knows how many apples are in a seed. Seed in this building tonight is precious seed. That precious seed has the potential to reach around the world because God has placed within that a multiplying factor, and that multiplying factor is the blessing of God. I want to tell you, God intends for you to be multiplied. Can you say amen? God intends your church to be multiplied. He is the blesser. He is the multiplier. And he said to Abraham, the father of our faith, surely in blessing I will bless you, and in multiplying I will multiply you. And if that is not happening, something has gone awry because God's placed that factor and potential in the seed. I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. 
And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.